0: This is SEMO, where we help you see more. Hi, I'm Alex Semenzato, and this is a SEMO podcast. How you doing? How is everyone? I hope you're having a great day and an awesome week, whatever you've been up to. I really can't believe it's September. It's crazy how time flies i honestly thought it was spring Um, although the weather is getting cooler but i do love this time of year don't get me wrong i love summer but i think autumn is definitely up there with one of my favorite seasons you know it starts to get cooler we start to put on those layers champion our inner stylist what we call jumper weather in america it's sweater weather you know, and any excuse to go to the pub, have a pint in Guinness and sit by the fire is a good excuse, I think. I think it's a good excuse. Also, what did people think about the last episode? I've got this new setup at the moment and I think it's making things sound pretty good. Not that it was sounding bad, but I just think I've got this kind of new location which has padded walls and I don't know, it's making everything sound super, super smooth. Let me know if you agree. Anyways, on to the guest this week. Chase Langford is a Los Angeles-based painter. He studied cartography at UC Santa Barbara and earned a BA in geography. Chase Langford has invented a distinctive visual language that is grounded the natural and built environment. His impactful work recalls map and aerial photography of seacoasts, mountains, farmland and cities through a calculator execution and craftsmanship. Through his knowledge of cartography, Chase contorts and synthesizes geographic elements, bringing forth paintings that are mysteriously familiar, yet surprisingly unconventional. They challenge conventions of geography and landscapes, offering invigorating visions of space and place that transcend any specific locale, leading us to an exhilarating emotional experience. His abstract paintings can be found in notable private collections around the world and some notable collections include Magic Johnson, the Saudi royal family, Caesars Palace in Las Vegas and the Four Seasons Hotel in Hong Kong. In this episode, Chase shares a lot of insight into how he became an artist, how he managed the duality of his lifestyle between being a cartographer and also being a painter by night, that process of getting recognised and represented by art galleries, and how sometimes the best way to start out is just to host a few parties in your living room. I really hope you enjoyed this episode, and it was so great to feature Chase all the way over from LA. And as always, happy listening, and see you next week. Hi, Chase. How you doing?
1: Great, Alex. So excited to be here for the podcast and to be in London. It's
0: so awesome to have you. So... You're an avid listener all the way from Los Angeles. So you reached out, you're coming over to London, and you wanted to be on the podcast, and I'm so happy you've been
1: able to make it happen. And you said yes. <laughs> so that was so nice. That was Thank until you. I met you. Oh my course. god. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: No, but it's so great. Um, it's great to have you on, and you know, it's awesome. How did you actually hear about the podcast initially? Um,
1: uh, on uh, Andrew Segato. I uh, follow yeah. him on Instagram, and he mentioned that he was going to be on it, so awesome. boom. There yeah. you go, and I've been listening to, and I listen to it in my art studio. So, um, and sometimes I repeat because some of your podcasts are just so rich in content. I have to hear it again. Ah, well, yeah. thank you so much.
0: Yeah. I love the positive feedback, and um, no, it's great. I mean, it's awesome. What what better opportunity to have, kind of a, a, an avid listener to be to be on the show <laughs> themselves. So, I hope. Uh, I'm as good as I am in person than I am on the podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, and I hope I'm as good as your other guest. So it... uh,
0: Here we go. There we go. Um, And how come you're in London, right? You said that uh, you're doing a Euro trip?
1: Yeah, just 28 days in Europe. Why not? And uh, I love Europe, and I love London. Of course, who wouldn't? And... um, when, when I travel, I do home exchanges, so oh, wow. I can stay for a long time. That's great. And we have a lovely apartment here in London, and then Paris, a really nice apartment that uh, we're excited about. So, oh,
0: yeah. cool. So, what, actually the, so right now in London, that person's living at your place in L.A.? Yes,
1: yes. Oh, and then
0: likewise, with, and then the same with Paris? Yes. Oh, wow. So there's yes. a lot of logistics involved.
1: It, it's tedious. Are they with
0: friends or is that like on a on a on a website? Never or? met
1: them. It's oh, wow. homeexchange.com dot and um, so it's you got to have a comfort level to do it. Number one, mm. and number two, um, it's tedious to set up. Hmm. But the woman that was in my pool uh, swam every day in the pool and was quite thrilled. So amazing, um, yeah. So it's well, what a
0: way to travel if you can work it out. I mean, best it becomes quite cost effective as well, right? Yes,
1: That's exactly. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, as you know, the format, we love to start with some icebreakers, so let's get into it. Uh, what is your favorite color?
1: Um, of course, everyone likes to say I love all colors and everything, but blue, and I'm known for my blues and a lot of my paintings. So.
0: Okay. Good answer. You have to wear a t-shirt with one word on it for a year. What word do you choose? Elevate. Nice. Land or ocean?
1: Ocean, because I, I'm a swimmer.
0: Okay. Okay, so living in, like, do you, do you swim a lot in the mornings and things like that? Yeah. Are you yeah. a surfer as well?
1: No, I don't surf. No? <laughs>
0: I always have this preconception. I like, know. if you live in California, you can surf, but... I, sh-
1: I should have just lied and said, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs>
0: um, so this is a new one, which is my favorite new question. Uh, describe your personality in ice cream flavors.
1: Oh, right. You, you asked this on the last podcast. Yeah. I heard that. Um, in ice cream flavors. You know, I'm going to say vanilla bean Ooh. because... Is that
0: an upgrade from normal vanilla? Y-
1: yeah, I suppose. They yeah. grind the bean in <laughs> yeah, or yeah. something. But um, Because I think that's sort of timeless and, and so kind of quietly amazing. So there.
0: Nice. Pattern or texture?
1: Pattern. Okay.
0: Favorite vacation destination.
1: Well, Palm Springs. Okay. Cuz I go there a lot. Nice. So, yeah.
0: And lastly, a fun
1: fact about you. Fun fact is that I have I have since the age of 8 mapped every single place I've been on hand-drawn maps. And I have this set of maps with me since that age, right? And I ink and draw exact routes where I've been all over the world. And um, so I have a complete, really? complete record. Yeah. And so
0: even, I mean, now you're not like just pressing record on Google Maps. No, it's, it's, it's,
1: it's, <laughs> it's analog. It's like get out a Sharpie marker. So black means land travel. Uh, dotted black means uh, travel on water, like on a ship or yeah. whatever. And then a red line is flights.
0: So. That is very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's get into the the heart of the conversation now. So you're an avid artist. Um you're living in Los Angeles now. Um but kind of let's talk about who is Chase Langford. Give me give me the lowdown.
1: From a young age, um I just was fascinated with maps. Just I would draw them. Uh, My whole family would be watching the Brady Bunch or whatever. And I'd have my board and I'd be drawing a map of some city or whatnot. Or I'd also draw buildings and other things, but maps primarily. And I was just this map geek. And I continued that all the way and went to to uc santa barbara university of california santa barbara and uh, studied cartography a uh, great program there i mean slice of heaven santa barbara i don't know if you yeah it's you've a beautiful place yeah. yeah it's amazing right <laughs> yeah. and uh, they have the uh, top cartography school there and um, i put myself through college so uh, while i was studying cartography i Uh, got a job with the school newspaper and I drew maps for articles. And then I became the newspaper uh, cartoonist. And so I've just always have been this visual person, even in high school, I was voted most artistic and I would design everything. And I'm just like um, always doing that. So from Santa Barbara, from college, um, I got the most amazing job at UCLA as a cartographer. So. And and spent many years there. And while I was a cartographer, I started painting. You know, cartography, map making is very exact. And um, I'm working for faculty for research um, uh, publications. So um, this it, it's it was an interesting job because everything I did was about a new idea or new information. So often there wasn't a precedent for how to visually express those things, and we'd have to come up with something that, that worked. And so it was a fantastic job. The whole time, I really I was yearning to paint more. So by night, I was a painter and um, painted uh, like crazy. And, and I at first, I painted these maps, but then I just wanted to break free and, and go abstract and very loose. And when I did that, I have to tell you, to go from something that is um, highly constrained and exact to absolutely have a blank canvas to just create something completely from scratch no rules you create that world was just euphoric it yeah. was exhilarating
0: and and but how did you like how did you evolve it into that process you know like going from being some someone that was so exact and technical to then i mean was it just Liberation and 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 therefore it was euphoric, or or did you have to kind of break down a lot of the rules that you probably put in place mentally, doing cartography?
1: I th- I think it was like a you know water behind a dam and it just kind of broke yeah. open, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but then I do dance back and forth, and now my art, uh, when you look at it, even though it's abstract. Still has that discipline of a cartographer. Um, there's a lot of abstract painters that are very loose and gestural, and I love that. I think it's fantastic, but I can't let go of this sort of wanting to craft something and um, compose it so that there's almost a, so that there is a geographic sensibility to it. Um, because in, in geography there's uh, patterns that are natural and and people know it. Even if you don't know it, you can kind of look at a map if something's wrong or not right or th- there's something intuitive about it. And I think by paintings, why, even though they're completely abstract works, I'm not trying to draw the shape of a continent or whatnot. My, some of my early work was that, but it, it's not that, but um, there's something in, in uh, intrinsic that, um, people can connect with in that way.
0: Yeah, I think when I was doing my research, I I came across a video um, of you creating uh, a piece, and it it was very much that. I think you basically had uh, put a lot of paint on Mm -hmm. the canvas, and then you were kind of scraping it across, and it was creating these natural forms just because it was like blotches of random shapes of paint that then was kind of, uh, I don't know, like generating its own patterns and then as that build up, build up, build up, then you started to kind of outline those patterns and then I guess, you know, in layman's terms for a lot of people that maybe aren't um, artists listening to this, that's kind of what I found so interesting because then you're finding those natural patterns in the kind of the the natural process of putting paint onto canvas.
1: That's a great point. Yeah, in a way the paint is acting almost like land masses, you know, it's acting like geology in a sense, right? And then, so and what you saw in that film is is I was very um initially and this is typical of most of my work I'm very um free and um throw on a lot of paint and do that but then as as I um work with the piece I become more and more um intentional and I think you saw that in the film I become much more intentional and determined and so the first part of the painting there's a lot of creating the painting there's a lot of paint that goes on and it's gestural and it's it's emotional and then it gets more um, intellectual and more intentional and more um, crafted and uh, the painting becomes more slower and determined I step back from the work more and make um, harder decisions about it
0: so going back to when you were a cartographer I mean you said that naturally you always kind of artistic but what what was that point when you kind of knew? I mean, did you just f- kind of f- not want to do your nine to five anymore? Like, what was that kind of period of your life when you thought, hmm. "Hang on a minute, I now want to do art full time"?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, of course, I had a duality for a long time where, with the cartography and the painting. And um, uh, while I was still at UCLA, I actually um, uh, had a fairly good career. Going before I left, so um, I was in galleries and selling a lot of work and and being pretty successful, and um, so it just re- reached a point where um, I I just couldn't stand it anymore and uh, not having a full day to it. The the um, the growth of the painting and the shows and and be- becoming a truly professional artist. Um, it, it kind of – there was a kernel moment where it kind of started. I had a party at my place in Santa Monica, this apartment, and I had been, you know, painting voraciously, and I had lots of paintings, and I kind of pulled them out and threw them on the floor. There were, like, maybe just a dozen or 20 people there just to show people, and people started buying them, you know, <laughs> and I I think I saw I, – I probably shouldn't say this, but I think I sold them for like $75 each, you know, <laughs> because I was just sort of like, oh, wow, you yeah. know, and it went from there. And um, my I, my path for my career was kind of unique and not typical in that um, I then did, st- I would stage shows in my apartment, in a later house um, that were pretty elaborate. Furniture would be moved out. Lots of people would come. It was for six hours. And they were usually just sellouts. I mean, it was, and they became quite known. Um, At first it was just my friends and then it just built and built. And it was really, um, it was really quite a thing, but you know, there's comes a point where you, um, uh, that reaches its limits, and um, so yeah. I don't do that. And, and, the, and,
0: the, and the demise of your household. Right, 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 right,
1: right. So I, get, I, I yeah. So that doesn't happen not, anymore. Not just a
0: party; it's actually a place to buy artwork. Right, right, yeah. So,
1: so now, um, so now I'm with uh, eight different galleries, um, and uh, I think uh, so. I've, uh, I know a lot of artists are. Uh, avoiding galleries, trying to do it on their own and sell directly, and so forth. And and you know, I think some are being successful with that. But but frankly, I think it's really important um, that um, see the gallery. Some people say, oh, it's a gallery model. Um, uh, no longer relevant and so forth. I think it is because I think it's really important to have a third party involved often. Yes, it's nice. And I often sell, I'll sell work directly to um, a collector or whatnot. But but a, a gallery can do a lot of things that the artist can't do. They do have the display space. They do have the logistics uh, that they handle, especially as you become more successful and busy as an artist you're not uh you don't want to do those things but also a gallery can talk about you the way you can't yeah. you know i can't more say to someone rather than yeah yeah, yeah right i yeah. can't say oh this is a great painting yeah. you know that would be tacky <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know um but they can so it's it's nice having a third party
0: yeah, yeah. and uh so I think a, a big th- question I was just thinking about then is, you know, a, a lot of people love art or, or people that are getting into art. Like, at that point when you said, you know, you, you were you had this duality and you were creating art, but you were still doing a job at UCLA as a cartographer, um, did you have to have kind of a certain, like, belief in yourself to, you know, uh, to be like, oh, maybe I can do this, maybe I because initially was it just a hobby, and then you go, oh, maybe I can sell this, and then (laughs) then how did you then start to kind of build upon that to getting to a point where you were, you know, selling artwork for a lot more money and things like Mm -hmm. that, how how did that grow?
1: Well, I was fortunate that while that was all going on, I had a good job, you know, and so, um, but even that situation where I put paintings on the floor, that was an ego boost, yeah, right? Yeah. But it, it, it was incremental. There were milestones where I, I can remember a point at which, uh, where I started being able to tell people that I was an artist. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that, you know, that, those are important words. And I, it took a while for me to own that. Yeah. So, it, but you know, even now, I feel like I'm always having milestones and always um, reaching new levels. And that word "elevate" I mentioned is actually, it was my word of the year last year, and I love it so much. It's my word of the year this year. <laughs> and the, the point behind "elevate," elevate to me. I, I do a word for the year just just for guidance or yep. uh, you know focus. And "elevate" to me for me is number one elevate my art in terms of creating the best most meaningful art i can create possible but then elevate to me means anything i do whether it's what we're doing right now or working with my galleries or what have you elevate everything try to do everything in an extraordinary way or at least push yourself so that's what
0: no I love that that's great and then so going back to that so initially kind of getting the work out there how I mean how were you approaching galleries is it, is it like a tough uh, world in terms of like hey guys can you my look at my work can you please you know um, exhibit my work like is that is that a tough convo or how does it how does it work
1: yeah I didn't that's that's typical um, I didn't do that I did I um, I avoided that and in fact that's partly why I did all those shows myself is because I didn't approach galleries and eventually they approached me right and I kind of developed a following
0: how many years then of or how many how, how what was the time frame oh. of you hosting your own parties to then oh, kind gosh. of getting uh,
1: any real traction like I, I'm I'm not sure but let's say six years okay well that's, that's good. it's good yeah. to
0: get put in p- perspective I guess that's yeah good.
1: yeah yeah so it um I know a lot of artists, you know, they start painting and maybe they feel they're ready for a gallery, but, you know, frankly, often they're not. And I had this great long sort of apprenticeship, of you know, that happened before I really got a lot of traction out there in the world. And I see a lot of artists sometimes um, start up and want to paint or whatever, and then um, want things to happen really quickly yeah. and they get frustrated. Um, so I would just, uh, uh, encourage people to, um, know that, you know, even though you feel like you're painting something good, good will get even better and better as you work at it. I mean, I, for years I did many, many works on paper. I mean, literally hundreds. I can remember one day I sat down and I destroyed 100 paintings because I, I had, painted so much and I look back on those I thought those are weak yeah but those are great because they got me to where I'm now um I kind of wish I hadn't torn them yeah, up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, mm. yeah but um I uh I, no I'm, I'm glad I did it was a cathartic and and a good good discipline to do that but um so I don't approach I, all all the galleries I'm with, all eight galleries, I did not approach. And they, are they
0: all in LA, or are they are they regional? Um,
1: uh, let's see. I have galleries in Maui, Napa Valley, Seattle, uh, Martha's Vineyard, New York, and Charlotte. And God, I hope I'm not forgetting one. And how?
0: But how does it work then? So you, you're creating a series and and Dallas, <laughs> in Dallas. In
1: okay. Dallas, I don't want to leave one out because that would not be cool. I'm sorry. And then, but,
0: but how does it work? If you create a series, do you like you give it all to one gallery, or do you evenly distribute the paintings? Like, what's the what's the process there?
1: Yeah, I have a I have a system. Um, I do an e blast to my galleries of new work. Um, okay. The, so you know, and then they just have to react and be. Grab first, fust, uh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> the only exception is if they're going to, if I'm having a solo show, um, that means they're making a big commitment to dedicate the gallery or a good part of the gallery to my work. So I don't want them to just have to pull from current inventory. I want them to be able to um, get some new fresh works and because they're making commitment I, so they get a little priority, like I have a show coming up in Napa, in Napa Valley, a solo show. And so they've called a few, there's probably five or six that have been pulled in advance that they kind of got first dibs on. But I do that to all my galleries, so um, uh, they all know about that. So that's a good thing to do. Um, And and back to the thing about not approaching galleries, I think that – I think it's – for me, it's more important to be a magnet. Yeah. You know, to kind of build it and have them come because galleries get approached so much that I just don't – I don't want to be that guy knocking on the door. I just – I don't know why. Maybe I'm just not suited well for it, but – Uh, That's my thing. But but
0: I guess you could say that having had that experience of them coming to you, whereas I can imagine there might be a lot of artists that might have amazing work, but are frustrated with them yeah. not coming, knocking on their door, and therefore, Absolutely. you know, they're going to, you know, they're using in platforms like Instagram or Artsy or whatever to try sure. and promote themselves, right?
1: That's so. true. And I've had periods where, you know, I'm waiting for that call, and, yeah. you know, and it was a long wait and whatnot, but um, it's nice to get them when they come, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I, learned, I want to talk a little bit more about your process. Um, how has your artwork evolved, do you think, over, over time, and, and, and how are you uh, using color?
1: Hmm. I've had a lot of different series that are very experimental over the years and um, they've all coalesced into what I call my morphic series and if you look at my morphic series you can almost you can mine you can spot all the different series that came before different techniques and um, sensibilities out of all of those so so my main body work is morphic which is just the culmination of my previous work and then I also do have some other series I'm doing that are kind of parallel, um, that are ongoing, that are kind of distinctive, their own thing. Um, I like to jump back up. Uh, some artists will stick with uh, one body of work and just do that. But I, I sometimes I need a break from that and I want to just do something that um, has a different uh, approach just to kind of shift things up in the studio. And how are
0: you using color? Because I, again, looking at the videos, you were um, is you were kind of going from dark to light. Is that that's mm. what, that's, and not using bright colors? Looking at different techniques and how you muddy the paintbrushes and things like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, right, right, yeah. very good. Um, <laughs> I uh, um, I start with a black canvas, so uh, I I get my canvases and I I actually have them gessoed about um, five or six times, and the last. Color of gesso is, you know, gesso is like a primer. If yeah. you think of it that. Do you and,
0: do that or do you get someone to do it?
1: Well, I used to do it, but my husband, Steve, uh, he, does it. <laughs> he's got Who's, the
0: knack for it now. <laughs> he's amazing. <Yeah. laughs> he's
1: amazing. And um, just a, a side point, you know, um, it's so empowering to, uh, you know, I'm very um, on it and very capable and so forth, and I feel like. Um, but it is so great to have a partner that um is so all in for you and I have someone in my life that's just all in for me and it's really extraordinary and um, uh, kudos to him you know people that know us well know um, what a great guy he is and um, I'm just so grateful and so forth I mean as I left the apartment in London to walk over here, he was, like, so excited for me and, <laughs> and kind of prodding me and stuff and say, don't forget this or that. Yeah, uh, like, awesome. right. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, so it's great it's, to have that
0: support. And is. that he juices your uh, canvases.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh, and and uh, takes things to FedEx and runs to the art store and and does a lot of the paperwork and uh, brings me meals out to the art studio. I mean, it's uh, I'm telling you, this is uh, he's he's a he's, he's a, gem. a catch. He's a catch. He's a gem.
0: Yes, absolutely. So you start from dark black canvas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you know uh, Rembrandt, not to compare myself. But he, you know, the if you look at the paintings, they're very dark, and the lightest brush, the lightest paint is up on top, and it's yeah. the same kind of thing. Um, uh, if I was a watercolor artist, obviously it would be about staining and darkening. But with oil, generally you go from dark to light, and I, I find that effective. Um, if I if I were to paint on. Uh, oil paint on top of a a white gesso i just fear that there'd be a translucency that i wouldn't want to see i wouldn't i wouldn't want the light to go through the oil paint hit the white gesso and bounce back i want to kind of i want to create all the light that resonates out i want it to all come from the oil paint not from the just white gesso and back it's just a personal
0: and was that was that uh kind of from from experience that you, you played around with that, or have you always just gone from black to? It, it,
1: it was from experience. It yeah, so you evolved. played around with both. Yeah, right? I kind of kind of figured it out on my own that that I had to go dark, and then I realized, oh well, instead of um, kind of throwing a lot of oil dark oil paint on a on a canvas, why don't I just get some black gesso and just go all in? So that's how. Evolve. Your more recent work
0: represents a, a shift in the two-dimensional map view to more of an abstract composition. Um, why do you think it evolved like that? Was that just because you just wanted to add more layers or it kind of naturally yeah. evolved in that way?
1: Yeah, I th- well, I think, um, I. you know, I love maps, but there's something a little static about them as where um, my abstract paintings, like my Morphic series... Um, is really um, breaks free of anything too literal. And that's where I think they become um, very seductive and freeing. Um,
0: and how do you know when your work is finished?
1: Oh, I'm gonna... i well, I'm going to – I always say this when because this is a question. Um, well, Jackson Pollock was asked <laughs> – <laughs> um, I think it was like Life Magazine asked him, how do you know when you're done? And he said, well, how do you know when you're done with sex? You know it. Ah. No, no. But, but uh, that's a little flippant. Um, also I there's a point where there's it, it starts to glow um, to quote van Gogh if there's a um, if it has an immediate resonance if the painting if you just kind of blink at it you turn and blink or you come back in the studio the next day and you kind of feel this oh, then you know you got something good and for me the most exciting part of painting is kind of the very early part where it's I'm just Kind of going crazy and throwing a lot of paint on, and just there's all this kind of um, promise, you know, of like, ooh, a new work, and ta-da, and then you go through a phase of it's kind of a roller coaster where um, you run into some problems. It's not working. There's structural problems. The colors aren't working and you you know so there's this ebb and flow of like mm, not so much and then you you finally hopefully you hit your stride at like 80% done you start to go okay this is working and and you're in in, in this home stretch where everything you um almost everything you do just makes it a little bit better a little bit better you like it's you, you the wind's at your back at that point and it's really um you feel like god you know it's just such a high to just to be able to just make it soar more and more as you kind of reach the end. So that's fun.
0: So part of your creative process then, I always like to ask this question for artists, do you have an important tool you can't live without? Not the paintbrush, you can't answer that. I
1: know, easel, you know, yeah. <laughs>
0: an important tool. Do you have like, a, you know, that that trusty piece of wood that just gets the job done or a weird... <laughs> A weird like thing yeah. that you've made yourself.
1: Yeah, I have a a few little kind of studio inventions. In fact, in fact, I have some YouTube videos where I kind of share that. But I have this That's cool. <laughs> I you know I, I sometimes put paint in these cups, but the cups will tip over when you put the big brush in. So I have this whole thing where I I have have a plastic cup. I drill a drill through it into a piece of wood, and then I put another piece of cup in. It's kind of hard to explain, but I have little tricks like that. Um, uh, yeah, I, um, I, I love everything about the studio, and I love seeing other studios, and I like all the. I love to paint, but I also just love all the logistics around it, and and um, I I I have a like I said I have a video about making a great art studio, and it has over fifty thousand views on YouTube. That's cool. And the reason why I did it is one, I'm really passionate about it, but I could not find a professional artist that has taken the time to do a video on that topic. I mean, I've searched and it's just not out there. So I did it and um, it's really fun. And um, I don't want to become a YouTuber at all, though. It's like, um, I mean, it's great is, to
0: share. Like, you, like yeah. you know, to not. I mean, I was just going to yeah. say then, like, oh, it would be so cool, you know, just to have you know someone like show you you know all the hacks and like the things to have in a a studio setup if you're starting out right yeah
1: there are some good studio hack little um things in the studio but not literally about like the lighting and the equipment and just the whole like setting it up and so forth um and so i did that video and i did another one that is more artist tips um uh as well um so, But I'm not a YouTuber. That, that I'm not going to do anymore. In fact, everyone's making all these comments like, oh, for your next video, I'd appreciate you. I'm like, no, 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 no.
0: Um, so a big topic that we talk about and, you know, is something that was quite prevalent in Andrew's podcast is technology a good mm-hmm. thing. Um, mm-hmm. And for mm-hmm. someone that's, you know, been in the art game for a long time now, mm-hmm. Uh, how has how the industry kind of evolved for you and, you know, what are your thoughts in terms of, you know, artists using platforms like Artsy and Instagram and things like that for promotion, you know, do you think it is ultimately democratizing the art world in, in a positive way? Um, you know, have you started to use, you know, did you start to use these types of platforms to promote yourself? Like, mm-hmm. what, what's your take on
1: it, basically? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, it, the, the Social media is the beast in the room in a way. You know, it, I love it. I use it. Um, I would recommend – you, you cannot not be on it. You really have to be. And um, uh, I think that you just also need to not get it too obsessive about it either. There's a, there's a balance. And um, – it's, it's been helpful, but I would have to say, and I believe me, I'm on Twitter, and I, I have a Facebook page, and Instagram, and da-da-da, I do it all, and I have a, yeah. a, a blog, I do the whole thing, and I understand it, and I think I'm good at it, or whatever, and I invest in it. But, one-on-one connections are still, absolutely, and I mean real world, yeah. not, not oh, you know, we're friends on Facebook, you know, la-la-la, yeah. but... but that is still absolutely, at least in my world, the number one way things happen in the art world. And, um, and through my dealers, my dealers, um, the sales they make, uh, they do some things through Artsy and First Dibs or whatever. But by far, it's, it's clientele that they've developed. It's people they know. That is still absolutely the way it works. Yeah. But the social media supports it too. And I have I've posted a painting, a very large painting that sold for you know, it was a I just post on Instagram and boom within twenty four hours, you know. Yeah. But that's rare. That's yeah. rare.
0: But and I guess yes, yeah, yeah. So I guess I mean that the I mean we all agree, you know, obviously social media is, is, is here and it's here to stay and mm-hmm. but I guess it was just you know, I find it very interesting, you know, for especially emerging artists. It's mm-hmm. like it's free discovery mm-hmm. platform. Like, mm-hmm. it, I, I don't know how you can't like it. Right. Not like it, you know what yes. I mean? Like, it's, yeah. yeah, you know, it doesn't cost you anything. You could put yourself out there mm-hmm. and buy, buy, you know, before mm-hmm. you know it, you could have something sold or, y- you know, you're trending or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to, isn't it difficult for every kind of Tom, Dick and Harry to get represented by a gallery? You know, would it's you say, try, yeah. you know, j- go for it, Put up your portfolio. Put up oh, you know, yeah. pictures of your work oh, yeah. on Instagram and stuff. Or oh, yeah. and then wait, and then you know, hopefully you get a gallery. Because I think some galleries may. I think that's the the dark grey area is if galleries only start to represent artists that have a following. You know, yeah. that would be bullshit. Oh, that would be oh. bullshit. Well,
1: Alex, in I'll tell you, uh, <laughs> you know, I live in LA, and we know a lot of um, actors and agents and so forth, and. That you know, often you go in for an audition. Well, I know,
0: I know actors yeah. and stuff. That I'm talking about, but like you know, like. Well, I
1: think yeah, and you're saying that maybe like now
0: makers, artists, painters. You know it what I, mean? it, it I know it's happening now with influencers and, and musicians right. and actors, but um I think it would be a very sad day if, like, actual painting, physical art, or what you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, right is then kind of seen th- with a different lens. I, th- I
1: think I think it's happening. That's scary. I, I know. I know. I think it's happening. And also there's a lot of kind of faux um, media presence, you know. There's yeah. accounts that, you know, people uh, buy followers or whatever, and that's kind of just strange, you know, kind of thing going on too. But, you know, my um, this uh, very good gallery I'm with um, – uh when they approached me, one of their comments, they, you know, I, it was that phone call that you wait for, right? Really great gallery, 10,000 square foot. They've been around 40 years, just incredible. Um, and they commented, they said, Oh, we noticed you have a good social media that you do all that and so forth. So um, so you know yeah. they saw it as a plus. Obviously, yeah. Yeah.
0: I guess in that in that sense it's okay in terms of you know pr- promotion because ultimately, as you said, going back to real life collections, I think if I was. Uh, a buyer or a collector, if I could then maybe relate to you on a level that you're showing me your making of yeah. process or, yeah. you know, how things are made, then, then that's valuable. I'm saying mm-hmm. purely from I'm a gallery, I'm only yeah. going to select people that have a million followers and that's
1: bullshit. Right, right. Yeah. So on right. to the next question. But I think you might be seeing the future. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, so I mean, like, that's
0: one thing, but what else? what else do you dislike about the art world?
1: I I really like the art world. I mean, all my dealers are fantastic. Um, everyone I deal with is completely ethical and um, I work with wonderful people. I, I, I don't have any complaint.
0: Do you think I, there's any form of saturation or do you think the kind of the, there's, there's getting too much noise with, with different artists or people copying each other? or do you uh, think it's okay?
1: Well, you know, there's a lot of derivative art out there. And I've had people copy me, which is kind of, at first, kind of annoying, and then sort of flattering, and then sort of annoying again, (laughs) annoying again. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, you just gotta, you know, not worry about it. And there are, um, there's an artist on Instagram right now, I forget his handle, but he's totally copying um well there's a lot of you know faux Rothko's out there and faux Debencorns out there and faux whatever and that you know and I just hope those people um I my hunch is that they'll work through that because a lot of a lot of artists when they start. I'm sure I have some pieces um from my early years that like oh obviously Chase was you know Uh, inspired by that person that person and fortunately I'm in a place now um, to quote a dealer uh, of mine said um, uh, they just I ran into them at a big art fair the big LA art fair and they said they said no one here does anything like you and that's I, nice. that was the nicest thing to yeah. hear, you know. Um, and it's, it's, but it's you, cool
0: though. I think you can back it up with your story, you know, the evolution of you being a cartographer, and then yeah, you have yeah. work that's inspired by that. I mean, that's that's a really cool story, I guess.
1: You know, and even when I think I'm being, uh, I've done something that's not typical of what I do. You know, once you kind of uh, develop your look and your kind of your touch with the brush and what you create. Is more distinctive than you realize. I've had I had a painting hanging in a hotel in Portland, Oregon, and you know there was no plaque that said it was mine. And I thought it was an anomaly. I thought it was really different from what was typical of mine. And an artist friend of mine said, "Oh, I was walking through the hotel. I saw your painting." And <laughs> I said, "No, you could have known that yeah. was mine. I said, oh, it was a dead ringer. It was your brushwork. It was just so clear. And I, I, that was great. That was good. That is really
0: great. Um, what art do you most identify with?"
1: Well, I, I, I love looking at other abstract painters. I really do. And, um, so that's number one. But, um, then I love things that are totally different. Like at the, um, at the, uh, Tate Britain, there's this little show of, of, it's a group show where artists all around the world altered, um, uh, uh, dollar bills, but any kind of printed currency, right. From all over the world. and, and, Modified them. Right. And I just thought it was a fantastic show. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, that's really
0: cool. Name three artists that you'd like to be compared to.
1: Oh wow! Um, well, there's my gods. Um, uh, Willem de Kooning is just a god. Um, Richard Diebenkorn. These uh, so de Kooning, you know, he's born in the Netherlands, but he moved to New York. And uh, uh, Diebenkorn, I don't know if it's well known here, but um, that's. Uh, California artist Richard corn, and a third one. Oh my God! Um, those are my two gods. Can I just go? No, with no, two? you can go with two. Oh God! <laughs> God I, I guess I got a C minus on that one. But, uh,
0: <laughs> um, so you, you have your artwork in galleries, but uh, you've had, got your art in some pretty cool places as well. So you said in, in a hotel, mm-hmm. um, you've got it in a, in a few in a few penthouses, um, but also you mentioned that you you're on some technology platforms too
1: oh yeah yeah well um so my art i first of all i only display my art um when it's for sale in fine art galleries period i don't i don't want it hanging in some restaurant or whatever i just don't that's that's not for me um so it it has to be strictly that um yeah, the, uh, recently um, Samsung, um, they bought the rights to two of my paintings that they're going to um, put. There's a new TV out called The Frame or yeah, Frame, yeah. right? And um, what comes with it is art, and you can buy more art, images of art. And it projects it as though um, it looks like a painting and it has a frame and you can get different frames around this. What is a television, right? Right. Um, so that was kind of fun. Um, I, I um, I'm okay with that because it's clearly digital. Still, it's not. It's not. Um, I don't like my work to be um, printed in prints digitally. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, I think that a print should be a serograph or you know, the artist should be in a print shop and making plates, and 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 the end work is to be an intended print, not take a finished painting and put it in a flatbed scanner and print that out i i personally um you know maybe that's a little old school of me to feel that way but i i prefer would prefer not to do that
0: yeah. what would be your
1: dream project oh dream project oh god um i would love to do you like a crazy crazy
0: Huge, large-scale painting is that? Is that like a artist? Yeah, an I project? would.
1: I would love to do my largest painting was uh, was it about sixteen feet tall. It's in a two-story space in a tower in downtown LA. But I'd like to go bigger. I'd like to, you know, I don't know, what, <laughs> uh, at an airport, the a size. big yeah, museum. That's the airport. And, oh yeah, I, I have no problem with uh, scale. In fact, um, Edward Goldman, who's an art critic in Los Angeles, said the bigger the bigger I paint, the better I get. I don't know if, I mean, that was nice of him to say, and I appreciate, he was complimenting a large painting I did, but, um, I don't know if that's always true because I think some of my best works can be small, but, um, uh, I, I love to go big. I'm fearless when, um, I, I have no problem, you know, go big or go home. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've
0: been given? And that, I mean, that could be a, um, a, um, a life thing, or it could be a, an, an art-related thing.
1: Well, one thing that just comes to mind is that um, back when I was a cartographer, um, Alexa Smith, who's a, a pretty prominent Los Angeles artist, uh, she's had solo shows, a solo show at uh, MoCA, and so forth. Um, she came to me um, as a cartographer. She wanted uh, advice. Um, on how to execute a world projection on the floor of the L.A. Convention Center because it was going to be terrazzo and it would be a world map with these icons embedded in it. So, so that was an exciting project. Uh, I was just an advisor. I wasn't an artist. I was a cartographer on that. And um, so we got to know each other and I shared her my work and paintings. And she said, and one thing she said to me, and this is a long time ago, she said, she goes, you know, being an artist it's a job, it's work, it's real work and it's discipline. And it's, um, I mean, she wasn't like saying that to me because she didn't think I had discipline, but she was just telling me what I was getting into because I was telling her that I really wanted to dive in deep and all that. And she just said, it's, you know, it is a responsibility. So, um, I think, I think I would, uh, so I would carry that forward and tell um, other artists out there, especially people trying to find their way and so forth, is that um, there's a lot on you. It's not like, la la la, I'm going to paint in the studio and then be discovered and I don't have to do much else. There's a lot of discipline required and um, I feel that the role, my role with my galleries is not only just to, I don't just create the painting and it gets shipped there or whatever. I have to show up for openings and and sometimes deal with um, uh, clients and so forth, meet them and so forth. But um, also, especially in this age now, I feel like I need to feed them content, whether it's, you know, a new picture of me in the studio, a little video, whatever, or a story or, or something. It's, you know, um, I have to give them the content. They can't create that out of thin air. And um, you you have to be mindful that the narrative you're responsible for. I mean, they 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 can create a narrative too i love that when a gallery uh or a art critic um has their own kind of twist on your work that's i'm all for that but you you there's there's a lot expected of you and i think you need to deliver you know
0: not to talk actual figures but Mm -hmm. like uh, it's a big big topic of discussion like how do you know how to price yourself um, do you get guided by the galleries is it based on years of experience how long you like what how do they, I mean yeah. is there is there a formula to it or you know when i don't know whether you're starting out or i guess obviously years of being represented by galleries they kind of guide your prices but you know what i mean like how do you know how to price yourself
1: well you know early on i i intentionally underpriced myself because i wanted a groundswell of um uh, collectors yeah. yeah yeah you know admirers <laughs> yeah yeah, and I think I think um, a lot of uh, talking about pricing I think that some artists early on overpriced they kind of um, yeah, jump to, ahead of themselves like
0: almost it's like almost kind of making it uh, a collectible before it's collectible like being like yeah. oh if it's priced at that then it's a yeah. like must have yeah. oh right right yeah.
1: and and you know that's a little emperor's new clothes a little bit you know and and there's a you can't fool the universe you know you gotta um, there's a guru uh, Marianne Williamson she's also running for president right now but or I think she still is but a great great woman but she's um, she's kind of all about of course in miracles and all about you know love and good good vibes and everything and um, at an event um, one of the the people attending said well Marianne I I have this um, item and I've been trying to Put love around it, and I'm trying to sell it, and I'm I'm doing everything you're telling me, and and um, all this positive thoughts. And she said, "Well, okay, well, can, What is this item? Oh, oh, you have it." And she, they hand it to her, and she goes, "Well, this is a piece of junk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the love in the world isn't going to sell a you know a piece yeah. of junk. So you know, be careful about trying to um, fool people or create a false." social media following or or whatever um you know yeah
0: and then but then so so you initially underpriced yourself and then and then were you then guided by galleries like how like uh, in terms of benchmarking the pricing my or?
1: price my pricing kind of i just kept going up because people told me i was underpriced and i'd go up and i'd always cringe you know often art i would i'm kind of someone that um is a little shy about that but how do you know
0: what to price it are you you looking online are you benchmarking it against other artists a little bit
1: a little bit i guess is there
0: a a rule of thumb you know what i mean i I mean i have no clue that's why i'm asking yeah yeah.
1: (laughs) well i recently um you know so my prices have been going up and i noticed i was considering another price increase and frankly i sat down and looked at pricing of some other artists that are with some of the same galleries I'm with and so forth and, and people I respect and just sort of kind of figuring out. And it, it's surprising how it's a little uneven, you know, but I kind of found where I thought I should be. So you can do that a little bit, um, but really you hit a point where the most important reference isn't other artists. It's it's what, what you have been selling at and how much time has lapsed before your next price increase. So... Um, recently I've been increasing my prices about 20% every other year. okay So uh, you know a steady, not not a huge jump, but that's a pretty strong
0: climb. Yeah, yeah yeah. Very cool. Um, professionally, what's your goal?
1: Hmm. Well, my goal is to always have this privilege to paint. I mean, you know, it's I love it so much that um, uh, sometimes when I'm in the studio, I get so happy I start jumping up and down, you know, (laughs) or I just, you know, I'm just I I'll go in. You know, I'm kind of I'm a kind of an up person, just period. But um, I really get euphoric when I paint and I go in the studio and I'll even catch myself. God, why am I so happy? Oh yeah, you know this is what yeah. happens when I'm around my brushes and everything. So
0: well, I, I, I honestly, I mean, that's such a wonderful answer, and I and I I couldn't agree more. I think you know that doing something because it's so emotive and you know it very much is engaging. You know, I always kind of compare it in a way to like playing with Lego. You know, mm, it's like mm. you are using your imagination, you're creating, mm-hmm. and you're and you're building something. But then you know you're not on the subway or the fucking walking in like the cold to a (laughs) nine to five sat at desk. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, it must be super rewarding. Um, We're coming towards the end of the episode now, but um, I wanted to learn a bit more about, you know, you on a daily, like, is it, are you in the studio every single day? Do you have kind of your golden hours of working like when you know you you paint the best or what's your what's your kind of your schedule look like on a a weekly basis
1: i'm a i'm a morning person so i can be in the studio as early as 6 a.m oh wow that's very i know i know (laughs) i know well my studio is you should be in that nine to five (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right a studio is next to the house so it's just a uh, you know my commute is 30 seconds that helps right so so uh, were you
0: in the garage and then you built a studio at the back or was it always there and you just had it
1: done it was initially a um, uh, guest house okay and then it's been modified i've added skylights and so forth it's not that big i'll tell you i would love a bigger studio i'd kill for a bigger one but it's an exquisite one and the location's great you know I'm up in the hills there's a panoramic view it's 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 a slice of heaven so i that's good but uh, frankly for an artist of my um kind of the demands on me and the scale I work at, and, and the logistics, it is undersized. But um, you know, I'm. Uh, it's in a fact, thirty
0: second commute. So why, you know, you right, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm
1: not. Yeah, I could rent out some warehouse space in L. A. But I. Hey,
0: the traffic know, in L. A. Is awful. <laughs> it's
1: horrible. Oh, and it's gotten
0: yeah, but even worse. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Um, what's the future for Chase Langford? Well, um, well, have you got any big kind of exhibitions coming up or any um, any like well large scale projects or anything?
1: Yeah, it's been a busy year because I've had I've been in 10 shows this year and Oh wow, yeah, okay. Yeah. And have
0: you had to go to every one as well? Uh,
1: no, some were so three of them were solo. Yeah, and and um, the other seven were group shows. Oh, so you're shows.
0: still doing the pot? Do you still do the parties at your house? No, no, oh, no, right. no, that's no. Those like are <laughs> no. long gone. No,
1: long, long gone. We do parties, but there's art for sale. Um, uh, yeah. So and so the future. I mean, uh, uh, I'm in one one museum, it's permanent nice. collection, and two are a possible, um, kind of in the works right now. So you know, that's the holy grail of, of an artist is to be in a museum. Um, I'm in really good collections. I'm in a, a laundry list of, of corporate collections, so that's that's good. Um, what's in the future? Well, you know, I think that'll be answered on the canvas because um, that's where it's all at. You know, as much as we talk about social media and we talk about all these different things and galleries and pricing or whatever, 99, it's just so much. It's about being, it's about creating, and it's about that magic and it's about um just something creating something that never existed before and it'll probably and once that painting's done it'll be around after i die
0: yeah awesome and last question what's your favorite where is your favorite place to see art
1: I'm glad there's another question because I didn't want the word nah. die. <laughs> yeah.
0: The word die well, I to be the to last. Say, That's a nice note to end on. I thought, oh, no, I'm ask
1: last question. <laughs> Get the coffin. Oh, I see it's you right know. there. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. What was it? Well,
0: it's a question? typical artist, you know, very <laughs> emotional. Yeah. Um,
1: no, where where's your
0: favorite place to see art? So you could answer this by kind of giving us, you know, a museum or a big uh-huh. normal, like a big normal place, but a big obvious place. But then I always love asking this question because sometimes there might just be, it might be in your... Backyard, or it might be you know at you know there might be a little coffee shop that has great art that you love to go into. I don't mm-hmm. know. Give us give us the well, place that you love seeing art.
1: <clears throat> I love to see art without a lot of people around. So okay. so you know there's there's all these openings in LA and they're great. And I I I tend not to go to them. I I know a lot of artists at them and they go to all of them. And I just I want to go when they're when I can actually see the work. So. Um, in fact, I don't like art fairs at all. I don't go to them. Um, but I love, you know, you. there can be, I, I was at a huge art fair once years ago in New York, and it was a mob scene. The curation was off. The lighting wasn't great. You know, it was crowded. It was overheating in there. And so I just went over to Chelsea to those huge, perfect, amazing, with perfect light incredible so i saw some great art and they were practically empty because everyone was at the fair yeah and that was great that's where i like to see art yeah
0: awesome and the last one and we very the most important one is where can people find you
1: uh instagram is chase langford artist and uh, my website chase langford.com and just chase langford it's i'm easy to find Chase Lanford, yeah.
0: And all those links I'll put in the below. Uh, Happy listeners and uh, also some of his famous YouTube videos that he will (laughs) maybe be doing more of. Yeah, right, right. Uh But um, but that's it, Chase. That was awesome. Thank Uh you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on. And, uh, you know, I hope you have a great rest of your time in London. And and Uh thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast can intrigue, inspire, and provide some key tips and tricks for a lot of people. I would really appreciate your help to grow the community. If you know anyone that you think would enjoy this podcast, then please send it their way. And if you can subscribe and leave a review, it would mean so much, and it really supports the show. Thank you, and see you next week.